chapter 2, verses 4 through 10 this morning. Uh, I entitled this, Alive Means Alive. We've looked at dead means dead. I will say some other things concerning it, but basically that's what I want to drive home this morning. We've seen in the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2 how man by himself is hopelessly lost. He's apart from Christ. and We saw three reasons why man needs a Savior. We all need a Savior. Because they're dead in their trespasses and sins. And they are, secondly, held captive by Satan. And thirdly, because the wrath of God abides on them. And so, on his own, we saw... Man is powerless to come to God. His ultimate allegiance is to his father, the devil. That's found in, in John eight forty four. 44. Uh, he has much against him. There's the trinity of evil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And those have a firm grip on his soul. And so he has got to have a mighty power to be saved from this, to be changed, to be born again by the Spirit and power of God. And so he's hopeless unless God intervenes. Unless God intervenes in a mighty, powerful way, and he did through the cross, but he does so in our hearts as well. And that's the exciting thing, is what God is wants to do, willing to do, can do in us to make us more and more like Jesus. And uh, thank God he's doing that still in me. I have not arrived, as my wife can tell you. She's not, she's not here right now. But, but still in all, we, uh, God intervenes. And where do we see that? We see that at the beginning of verse 4, don't you? What does it say? But God. But God. And uh, today I want to look at the condescending mercy of God. And so let, let's now read Ephesians 2, uh, 4 through 10. And a powerful, powerful uh, verses these are. Very familiar, really, to most of us. But God. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with, with Christ. He's quickened us, and that's what I want to talk about. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. And so may God 
richly blessed to our hearts this portion from his word because it's, uh, it's the, the power of God working through his word that, that changes us and uh, believing that, resting in what he tells us. And so <clears throat> this but God, have you ever noticed in scripture, particularly Paul would repeat things, but God. Uh, the wages of sin is death, but, you see. Uh, and then we find in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God intervenes, and he's still intervening, and he still changes heart. And uh, he makes the difference between uh, sin and salvation, death and life, Loss and gain, hell and heaven. And uh, thank the Lord, because it could have been just for the Hebrews. It didn't even have to be for them. God's not obligated to save anybody. But thank God, he died for us. Aren't you glad? Can you imagine reading the scriptures and finding out you weren't there? But no, we serve a merciful, merciful, gracious God. And thanks be to him. That's why he deserves our, our praise. The one who is righteous, just, and holy is also rich in mercy. Did you see that in verse 4? Because of the great love which, with which he loved us, those who are unlovely. Now, most people think they're not unlovely. Uh, in their lost condition. Matter of fact, they think they're pretty good, but they're not. Unless you have Christ, uh, you have no hope. And uh, let me just ask you this question. Have you experienced the love of Christ so that you love him back? Why do you love God? Because he first loved you. And it's important it's important for all of us to just not go through the motions and say, oh yeah, Jesus died for me, praise God, hallelujah, what's on TV? And it's easy to do that. But what we have to understand is we will love God back. To be a Christian, if you don't love God, you don't know God. And I just say that very plainly. Uh, if you don't love Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you don't have him as your Savior and Lord. It's that important. Uh, and Paul is stressing that, stressing that. We find that elsewhere. And uh, these verses, I think, teach that. There are a number of them. And we could have taken many more. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who, what? There it is. Not only that God loves us, you know. Uh, no, we love God. We've been made to do that. 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, things which eye has not seen or ear has not heard, and which has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Love him. You're not saved by loving him, but because you're saved, you love him. You can't, you can't separate. 
2 Timothy 4.8, In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Do you look forward to Jesus coming? That'll tell you a lot about yourself. You say, well, no, not until I get that new car. Then he can come. Or He's coming. And I hope it's before I get through preaching. It, wouldn't, it would not uh, bother me one bit. 1 Corinthians 16.22 If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. Maranatha. Also, Ephesians, Ephesians 6.24, here in this, we're in Ephesians, but grace be with you all those who, what? Love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Isn't it amazing? 1 Peter 1.5, who are protected by the power of God through faith for our salvation, ready to be real, revealed in past times. And just to show you, that doesn't go with what we just did. <laughs> because uh, I got ahead of myself. But that's okay. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm not perfect. And if you think I am, talk to Janine. But, uh, well, yes, I guess. I know, I know, brother. I know. So this is not an option. This is not an option. You either love God or you hate God. You either cherish God or you despise him. Do you cherish God? I cherish God. I mean, I'm not afraid to tell anybody. I cherish God for saving a wretch like me. I was headed for hell, just hell-bent when he saved me. And... uh, he gets all the praise. Now, he, Paul tells the, God's action towards man. His love, his mercy, his grace prompted him to do deeds towards man. What did God do for the sinner? We find it in these pass- this passage. First of all, we find he raised him from the dead. What does that mean? We were dead. And he raised us to what? Newness of life. He quickened us by his power. By his power, he did that. God who manifested his love in sending his son to die on the cross. uh, And those who trust him as their Lord and Savior. Who uh, know him personally and love him. Or what? No longer dead. They're no longer dead, but they are alive in Christ. Christ is in them, the hope of glory. The very life of God has been breathed into them. So these people that come along and say, oh, you 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 can believe Jesus, but you don't have to live for him. Hogwash. If you love Jesus, you're going to live for him. Just as simple as that. I I mean, I don't see anything hard to understand. Uh, But they're alive. We're alive forevermore. 
our eternity started when we found Christ and, and trusted him. And, and so I think Paul wants us to see the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He wants you to feel that same power. Because it's that same power that makes you a Christian. He wants you to really experience experience the love of God and that power in your life. Have you ever found, found yourself just overwhelmed with the love of God, overwhelmed with what Christ has done for you? And you start crying and just praise Him and thank you, Lord. For Now, I don't say we go around and do this 24 hours a day. We should, probably. But there are times, well, then you know, wow, where did that come from? came from Christ in me. It came from the Spirit of God who's working in me. And so you go, gee, I must love Jesus. No, I do love Jesus. He's changed me. And I can love other people who are unlovely, just like he loved me. And so there's something to experience here. By the way, you're not the captain of your salvation. It took massive power to save you. You did not save yourself. If you saved yourself, then you have to keep yourself saved. And that's the verse that we just read in 1 Peter 1.5. Who are protected, are kept in the uh, King James. And I like that. It, it says, who are kept saved by the power of God through faith. See, you don't keep yourself. You don't save yourself. You're kept saved by what? The power of God who is in you. The Spirit of God who's working in you. And He'll never leave you or forsake you. Well, if that doesn't, if that doesn't make you excited, I don't think you can get excited about anything. And by the way, if it doesn't excite you, you better check up on where you are in Christ. Yeah. And I'm serious about that. I'm not playing games up here. This is heaven and hell. Life and death. And where you'll spend eternity forever and ever. And so you've got to go, do I really love Jesus? Is he working in me? Is he changing my heart? Is he, am I praying to him? Am I touched and moved by what he's done for me on the cross? And that there's so much easy believism, as I like to call it in the church today, where people, I'm going to heaven, I got my ticket. I'm going to live for myself, but that's okay. Maybe before I die, I'll trust him as Lord or something. No, that's not salvation. No, he's working on us by his mighty power. And this is what Paul is, is driving home here. We're a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, and he's done this out of nothing in us. You've been born again by the power of God. You think you did that? You think you changed yourself? You think you brought on regeneration? Sorry, you didn't. Scriptures do not teach that anywhere. So how did you get saved? It's found in verse 4. But God. Let it sink in. But God, who is rich in mercy, John says in John 6, 
63 here, it is the Spirit. That's the Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit gives life. The flesh profits what? What does nothing mean, by the way? You mean, you mean there's no light in me? There's only, there was only darkness? That's what the Scriptures teach. But see, people like to cling to the fact that they did something. That they the, you know, worked it up or whatever. No. Huh, nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are what? Spirit and our life. They change you. The power of the Spirit. He puts a new spirit within you. His Holy Spirit. And he makes us alive in Christ. Jesus didn't say, okay, Lazarus, you can come forth if you want to. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, right? Have you ever gone up to a casket and, you know, okay, get up if you want to. They had nothing to do with that. It was the power of God. Lazarus, come forth. And he did. He didn't ask him whether he wanted to or not. What were we like? It's interesting. Now, Ephesians 4, we'll get there. But he says... So this is in the book of Ephesians 17 and 18. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you, what you used to do, no longer just as the Gentiles, you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. See, what's in your mind is futility. People say, oh, I saw it. I saw the light. I follow Jesus. Yeah, you did, but God's the one that did it in you. Don't take credit. Why do you want credit for it? So you can praise yourself? It's not there in Scripture. I'm sorry. You, uh, in, the, in Being darkened in their understanding. Excluded from the life of God because of the what? Ignorance that is in them. Because of what? The hardness of their heart. Now again, not a very pretty picture, is it? And that's what God had to break through. He broke through that. And what Paul is saying, it took great mighty power to do that. Let me ask you, has he done it in your life? Are you just playing the game? Are you just, you know, well, I hope I'm saved and you know what? I, No. I'm asking you, have you been born again by the spirit and power of God? Is there newness of life that you're walking in? You know, it's, we find in Ezekiel uh, 36 where he talks about the new covenant. And he says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk, see, not just confess, but to actually walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinance. You will want to. See, he changes your want to. I don't care. Well, you know, yeah, you know, uh, no, I don't. But I love Jesus or follow Jesus. You know, no, look, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, he'll also reap. If you sow to the flesh, it's not going to be pretty. But if you sow to the Spirit, wow. There's life. There's life in Christ. He paid for that new covenant with his blood, we're we're told, Paul tells us. Brothers and sisters, you didn't do that. 
You had nothing to do with that. If you could do that, if you did do that, then you can spend all eternity praising yourself. But you can't. God gets all the glory from beginning to end. And by the way, that would not be grace if you could do it. You wouldn't need Jesus if you could do it. No, he had to die for our sins and pay the penalty for our sins. Notice how Paul here, in, in, uh, at the end of verse 5, by grace you have been saved. And then he goes on, and then again he says, by grace you have been saved through faith. And so, Why does he put at the end of what he just said, uh, by grace you have been saved? It's kind of like, well, why say it twice, Paul? Well, he wants you to understand uh, what it means to be saved by grace. He wants to make it absolutely clear you're hearing what he's saying here. What does grace mean? What does it mean? And there are a lot of definitions, and I've said this before uh, differently in other sermons, but it's God's desire by his power to make dead people into living people by his power, by his blood. There's power in the blood, the cleansing blood of Christ. We sing about that. We need to sing more about Grace is not God's response to our initiative. It is not I must believe on my own, believe on my own, then God will make me alive. No, God makes me alive and then I believe. He gets the glory. You know, to, to, to believe the other, I know you were taught growing up that. Uh, we're all taught things that may not be true. And yet because we hear them, we cling to it. And, oh, no, I, no, just give in to God. Just say, God, you get the credit. You get the glory. Forgive me for thinking I had anything to do. And by the way, what will that do? It will make you praise him even more. You'll get on your face before and just thank him because you'll realize it wasn't up to you. You'll give him the glory. And it'll, by the way, humble you. And I say that uh, over and over again. He doesn't respond to our initiating it. No, he initiates. And in Jeremiah 13, 23, Jeremiah says, can a leopard change his spots? And he says, no. You can't change yourself. You don't have the power. Lazarus did not decide to get out of the grave. Matter of fact, if you had asked me, you would probably said, you know, it's so glorious in heaven now and being with, I don't want to come back. But God, our Lord, had different plans for him. And so we see the grace of God, I think, flows from the mercy and love of God that he initiates. By the way, God was free not to be gracious. He did not have to be gracious. And I think Paul wants us to see that. To see what it took to save you. Notice in Ephesians 2, 8, he says, and we all know this verse, it's some we've, he says, for by grace you have been saved. That's completed action, by the way, past. Through faith. And he says, 
and that is not of yourselves. You can't even say, well, I, brought, I, I conjured up the faith. No. It's by grace through faith. Both of those things. And it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works. So that what? No man will boast before God. Moses couldn't boast before. No man has ever been able to boast before God. So stop doing it. But you know, we serve a gracious God. If you don't really completely understand that, you can still be saved. (laughs) Okay? Because you don't have to believe everything the way. All I want you to do is get closer to Jesus, to praise Him more, to love Him more. But you know what? You don't have to have it all figured out to know Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. Because I had a lot of things wrong, and I still probably have a lot of things misinterpreted, and He still loves me. Isn't that great? It is. Amen. Hallelujah. So in Ephesians 2.8, how do you see it? Because you have new eyes through faith. God regenerates. He creates faith in you. And because of the new birth, because of the regeneration, you have faith. And so the evidence of life is that you are now looking to Jesus alone for salvation. That's the result of faith. There's evidence of faith, and that is trusting Christ alone. That's the evidence that you've been raised from the dead spiritually is because you see that Jesus is all you need. Now, we don't act like that all the time, and and we all sin and fall short, but still. So grace and faith are not your own doing. They are the gift of God, not of works. All boasting is nullified, is cut off. You say, but I, but I. No, but God. Never say, but I. It's always God. God who is the one who is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Give him the glory. And then say, Lord, work in me more. Make me more like Jesus. You know, he'll answer that. He'll rush into that. Show me my sin, and he will. He'll show you where you need to repent. And if you say, well, I don't care about repenting, then you're not a child of God. You see, the the scriptures are very clear. Humans have a way, and, 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 and Satan deceives humans by making it almost the truth. And we latch on to it, and we excuse our sin, and, and on and on it goes. But no, we need Jesus every day. No boasting. All right, what else has God done for the sinner? We see here in verse 6. We're seated with Christ in heaven. We're seated with Christ in heaven. You say, no, I'm seated right here. I'm standing, but you're seated right here. We're seated with Christ in heaven. Yeah, right now. Forevermore. What does that mean? I think it says we have a new position in Christ. He takes out our heart and puts it in, uh, in heaven with Christ. It's hidden. 
It's hidden with Christ. Colossians 3, 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That doesn't mean we're supposed to go around hiding Christ in us. That's not what he's talking about. But uh, uh, we're secure in Christ. We, we cannot be separated from Christ. We're hidden in Christ. He's got us. And, and uh, that's exciting too. So it should be God that holds our attention and our affections. We may be in the world, but the world has no claim on our affections. You have now the power to overcome the world. The world ought to be a foreign land to us. And I hope it is. Something utterly new replaces the world, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And so now we can have a different focus. We can focus not on ourselves, but on the the body of Christ, which is us, part of the body of Christ. So instead of being self-centered, we become other-centered. We become like Christ. Uh, We uh, are very uh, keen and sensitive to the things of the Spirit. You know when the Spirit speaks to you. You know when God is talking to you, telling you what you need to do. And yet we still have our old nature and we'll say, no, I don't think, no, it's not for me right now or whatever. But no, we think of this and and, uh, we think of Jesus as really my Lord. And so it's a new focus. It's a new outlook for those who put their faith in Christ. Old things are passed away. What else has God done for the sinner? Is found in verse 10. Believers are his workmanship. Wow. Workmanship. In other words, God is the divine author. And the life of the Christian must reflect the glory of the one who did the work in us. We are his workmanship. Would people say about you that know you, boy, look at there, God's workmanship. I used to know what that bum was like. But you know, God is, wow, what is, what's happened to this person? Why are, why are they happy? Why are they joyous? Why are they... And then you have the opportunity to say, because Jesus, I have Jesus in my heart. I am his workmanship. He's done this in me. I cannot boast about it. All I can do is tell others about it and then rest in that work that he is doing in me. And so that's, that's what it's all about here. He is the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2. We are created for good works, not as a result of works. Notice that in here. He says we are created for good works. You know what? God is not a bad workman. And yet you look at a lot of Christians' lives and you wonder, is that the workmanship of God? Wow. Doesn't look very good. No, he is not a bad workman. He is working and powerfully working 
in us. Has this happened? Another verse that I've seen before, uh, uh, shown before is 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You know, the face of Christ. You know what? When you were lost, you looked into the face of Christ differently than you look now. You ever thought of that? Christ didn't mean anything to you. He, didn't, he hadn't done anything for you. He hadn't changed you. You don't, didn't love Him. But now, in the face of Christ, you things, see things uh, differently. You know, it's all of grace. It's all of grace. And that's what this is all about. He says, and Paul, again, over and over, if you really go through Paul's writings, and it should be our testimony as well, Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. In other words, he gave all the praise and the glory to the grace of God, didn't he? And so, if we do anything good, it's because of the grace of God and the love of God in our hearts that, that's, that's changing us. And uh, it's a struggle, isn't it? It's a struggle to give all the glory to God. You ever found yourself patting yourself on the back? I'm a pretty good person. I helped that person to go, ooh, that's not right. No. My old flesh, my old nature wouldn't do that. But now Christ is in me. He has given me the ability uh, uh, to love him. Somebody said, and I like this, he says, not only did God give us the faith, but he rewards us for our faithfulness. That's a good God. God not only gives you faith, but he rewards you for your faithfulness. Now that's a good God, and yet he's doing it all in you. You know, we serve a good God. <laughs> Isn't he good? And that's an understatement. It really is. He's a good God. He is a good God. And we're almost done. Second Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. He wants to do great things in your life through his spirit, through his power as you yield to him, as you say yes to him. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks is, uh, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves, that's us, is to do as one who is serving by, the, by his own strength as he, you know, in himself, no, by the strength which God supplies so that in all things, this, to me, this verse says it all. He says, so that in all things, not just most of all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter got it too, didn't he? I hope we get it. Let me just ask you as in closing, alive means alive. Are you alive in Christ? 
I'm not saying are you just, you come to church and you go through the motions and uh, you pray occasionally and and you know it and you can say, uh, oh boy, that's good uh, about God. No, but is He really alive in you? Now again, we all fall short of the glory of God. Don't misunderstand me. And I'm not saying that. Uh, but is God working in you by his mighty power? Uh, and if he isn't, ask him to. He'll rush in. He'll rush in and uh, by his mighty power. But God, remember, but God, who was rich in mercy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your powerful word. Lord, your word convicts us. Your word shows us where we fail you. Your word shows us that you should receive all the glory. And yet, Lord, as sinful men and women, we try to cling to us instead of clinging to Christ because he's done it all. He said on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. Lord, may we live out of a life of gratitude. May we have that attitude of gratitude for what you've done for us. That we would be so moved and stirred by the love of Christ that we'd reach out to other people who don't have Christ. Lord, do this by your mighty power and help us to see, Lord, you're a powerful God, mighty to save. In Jesus' name, amen.